today we're going to cover this very important passage, Ephesians chapter 2, verse 7 and 9, as we talk about God's grace. So let's pray. Lord, as we explore this topic of your grace, we are just humbled and we are a thankful people. And we just pray for your guidance as we consider this, your grace today. In Christ's name, amen. So in verse 7, as we continue our study, you'll notice it says, in order that, and we want to stop right there because the phrase in order that throws us back to what we had in the previous section. In other words, these things he mentions, in order that, the following. So let's just review just for a moment to prepare for this in order that, that we're going to discuss. In order that, remember, first of all, that in the Lord Jesus Christ, we have been made alive with Christ. And we talked about this this word here for made alive with Christ. Uh, Paul kind of creates a word with the putting words together. This is a very uniquely Pauline a word because it's something that is just so far. We've been made alive together with Christ. And then he uses the more common, we've been raised up with Christ. Raised up with Christ. Uh, we have been resurrected with the Lord Jesus Christ. And we'll explore that some more, of course, later as well. And then finally, we are seated with Christ, where Christ is seated at the right hand of God in the heavenlies. And we are seated with Christ. So we take those three, last time we talked about these, these, these three aspects of being with Christ, having to do with our identification and our union with Christ, raised up with him, made alive with him, seated with him, we are so closely identified. And again, <clears throat> it's always good to remember when we're reading this, this was written as an epistle to a body of believers, a local assembly or local assemblies in the Ephesus area. And so every time we see that word you, uh, let's, let's remember that, yes, it's to, to you individually, but it's a collective you as well. So let's remember that this is the church. This is our church, uh, your local church, uh, whatever church you attend. If you don't, if you're not part of the Brian Bible Church, but we are uh, presenting this from. By the way, if you ever want to connect with things going on in our ministry, I encourage you to check our website, berean-shoreline.org. Now we have our Sunday morning services right now on there, of course, and other ministry information, uh, staff information. Um, but whatever local body you belong to. Uh, you as well, and you as a universal body of Christ. So it's all aspects. But of course, we read this as we talk about this uh, to what God has done for each of us. In order that, so we take those things Christ has done for us. And so then we come back to our verse. In order that, we see here in verse 7. In order that, in order that, in the ages to come, in the ages to come. Isn't this a wonderful thought? In the order in that in the coming ages. He might show the incomparable riches of his grace expressed in his kindness to us in Christ Jesus. Now, we've already talked quite a bit about this word age. We talked before about in this age and the age to come. We talked about uh, the dispensation and the fullness of time. Now, here we have this phrase, in the coming ages. And, it's in, and so... Um, the idea of this age upon age upon age, uh, maybe, uh, but the fact that he says in the coming ages, I think there is still this, this future aspect of something that's involved here that's going to find its fruition or completion. I think, again, in the context of the Old Testament and our Lord's teachings, the Messianic age, which is the next age to follow after the tribulation time, after the church is raptured, that is certainly the, the age to come. 
But in this case, with this ages to come, uh, we could extend it out in the idea of, of going on. In the ages to come, uh, in order that in the ages to come, he might demonstrate. And I think this, this, is, this is the word here, to demonstrate, to show. Remember, he has done these things, his, his, his salvation and what he's done to the church, the body of Christ. And how he has incorporated us into Christ and, and, and unified us and made us one with him. Part of the out, outcome of this is that in the ages to come, he might demonstrate. Now, I want us to think about this. A lot of times, I know when I read this, I think, by the way, well, this, this has to do with me, with us, with the church. That he wants to demonstrate to us uh, what his incomparably riches, were, as we see here, in kindness to us in Christ Jesus. That certainly is true, okay? But let's also think in terms of, remember, three times in chapter 1, to the praise of his glory. When he called Israel in the Old Testament, they were to be to the praise of his glory. They were to be his special people to, to represent him, to bring honor and glory to him, to the nations. And so a, an important aspect here, when it says that in the ages to come, in order that, in the ages to come, he might demonstrate his love, mercy, and grace in us. I think this has to do with the demonstration to, the, I use the word cosmos here, one of the words Paul uses, the, the universe, the world, uh, not just the earth, but, uh, you know, we've already talked about in chapter one. We, we, we talked about how uh, he is over every rule, authority, power, and dominion, and every title uh, that could be. This idea that, that the, the universality beyond this, this physical earth, the whole spiritual world, that, that, that God is going to bring glory to himself by demonstrating what he did for us, for us sinners who should have been objects of wrath instead of now become identified with Jesus Christ. And this is going to be used to demonstrate his glory and his wonderful kindness to the entire cosmos, if you will in the ages to come. So what a wonderful thing God has done. And then we see these words again, that we, this, the goodness sort of a reaching to, to uh, as far as you can go to, 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 to demonstrate and talk about God's kindness and his, and his, and his riches to us. I mean, look at the word here. He might show the incomparable riches of Christ. You know, the, the word here with the, uh, it starts out hooper uh, and then the Greek word, but we get the word hyper from that. Obviously, hyper, you know, hyperactive, hyper this, uh, hyper speed. This, this idea of it's as far as you can go, beyond what you can think. His, I mean, what, a, what a wonderful way to describe this. It goes with in chapter 1 where we saw these same type of words that were used to describe uh, God and what he's done for us and, you know, the spiritual blessings he's given us in the heavenlies. And we talked about his incomparable love. But here we have his incomparable riches of his Grace, and we have this now. This key word here, grace, unmerited favor, is a simple uh, understanding of it. The idea is, is it something that a, a greater gives to a lesser who is in need, and uh, this this idea that, that that God has has graciously, out of His love, the motivation is His love, bestowed His grace upon us, who should have been objects of wrath because of. Our sin, the incomparable riches of His grace, are going to be part of this demonstration to the cosmos of God and His and His love and His and His kindness, His kindness to us in Christ Jesus. We need to just stop and and reflect on this here. 
and, and read this again and read this slowly, in order that in the coming ages, he might demonstrate, he might show the incomparable riches of his grace expressed in his kindness to us in Christ Jesus. Paul's gone to great extent here to, to help us understand how wonderful and how large and, and generous and overflowing is God's love, grace, and mercy and kindness. We saw the word mercy in our previous section. All these beautiful words um, that what, what God desires for everyone to receive and to be a part of. And then we come to Ephesians chapter 2 and verse 8. I know I mentioned before, one of the most memorized verses, I memorized it as a child in King James, for by grace are you saved through faith, not of yourselves. It is a gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. And uh, we, we still teach this at the youngest ages to our children, this along with John three sixteen, 16, uh, two of the most commonly uh, memorized verses, the 23rd Psalm, uh, and, and because it just summarizes, it summarizes in, in such a, a, a distinct way and succinct way the story of salvation, grace, God's grace to us. God is a gracious God. You read this throughout the Old Testament. Read the Psalms that speak of his graciousness. The prophets were constantly they remind Israel of God's gracious and outstretched hand to his people. For by grace, and I want to suggest to you, for by grace uh, you have been saved or, or you, you you were saved it's, it's a fine it's, it's, it's okay but I just I think a better translation I like for by grace you are saved and the reason for that um, the emphasis needs to be not just on the past of conversion but the tense of this word is the idea of it's a completed action with continuing results and so I think if I think the best way to understand it for by grace you are saved that includes when you were saved, that action in the past, but it continues on now and into eternity. For, for by grace we are saved. God's grace is active in our lives today. And we are secure, we talked about, secure in Christ. For by grace you are saved. I like that translation. And I like that, I like that thought to go with the idea that by grace you were saved. You are saved. By grace you are saved. And then, of course, it says, through faith. Now, faith becomes operative here, and my personal belief is that, uh, you know, I believe that the provision for salvation is universal. Christ did not just die for the elect or die for the Christians, like some believe. I personally believe that, that, that the, for, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whoever would believe in him. And so I, I like to use the word here that, that, that the, the, the Grace, God, Christ's sacrifice on the cross is, is universal in his provision, but the application to my life, to your life, to the life of the Ephesians, the application of it to your life is through faith. And this is a phrase that Paul uses a lot in his epistles, through faith, through understanding what Christ did in the cross of Calvary, and placing your faith, your trust. And the word faith is, is how we use the word. I mean, oftentimes with children, we use the example, you sit in that chair because you trust the chair is going to hold you up. Well, that's, that's the idea. You have a certain trust and you have faith in what Christ has done and you accept that through faith. For by grace, you are saved through faith. 
That is what applies it to our lives. And that's what we ask each individual to make that individual choice through faith. And then Paul goes on to say it's the gift of God. This, and some, there's, there's been some discussion in the commentaries. Is the gift of God specifically referring back to faith? Is the ability to have faith a gift of God? Well, I want to suggest in some of the best commentaries I use that really the phrase, this is the gift of God, really applies to this entire process. Some, with the Greek language, uh, the gender of the words here um, suggests that it's, it's applying to the, to the you know, in Greek has you know, masculine, feminine, and neuter gender. And so because of that, uh, the neuter gender, I just throw that in of this word, really kind of throws it back, I think, on this whole, whole thought. The grace that you are saved through faith, the whole process, all that is a gift of God. It's a gift of God from a greater to a lesser, one who has to give and one who is in need of the gift. This is a gift of God. And then finally he goes on to say this. He says, it's not of works. It's not of works. Now you'll notice in Romans and Galatians, where Paul talks a lot about works, oftentimes we'll use works of the law. The fact that the church at Ephesus probably has more Gentiles than those other churches, maybe more Gentiles than Jews, particularly in this case, he just leaves it at the word works. Now for the Jews in that setting, it certainly would be the works of the Mosaic law not of works, and they would understand that, the works of the Mosaic law. For the Gentiles, it would be just the idea of the works in general. You know, there are several schools of philosophy in the Greek and in the Roman world that talked a lot about uh, ethics and, 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 and achieving status and so on before the gods. And of course, then there's the idea of some of the pagan rituals of appeasing the gods. This idea of works is, is, is inherent in our nature. Uh, we like to do something. But remember that the point here is, for Paul says, not of works, lest anyone should boast. It is not of ourselves, but it's a gift of God. And this goes back to chapter 1, where we saw three times, to the praise of his glory. Of course, this is the issue today. So many people, you ask them, are, are you going to go to heaven? And, they, and the response oftentimes will be, well, I've tried to be the best I can. I haven't killed anybody, you know, I haven't done this, I haven't done that. There's something about us that in our human nature that legalism works, doing something to show our part in it. The Bible makes it very, very clear. The idea of grace means it is all of God. He's given it to us freely. And the reason for that simply is, as the Bible says, there, there are no works we can do that would earn God's favor or righteousness. We are dead in our sins. We cannot enliven ourselves. And Christ has provided that means by which we can receive God's grace. Well, that's as far as we're going to go today. And uh, then tomorrow we're going to then talk about where do, what role do works play in our lives. And uh, that's very important as we get into uh, Ephesians 2.10. So I'll give some more thought to this and we'll pick that up at our next lesson.